0: Magnificently Fenwick had talked that day, with what enthusiasm he had shown Robbins, who was blinded by his own conceit anyway, the kind of paper the Parthenon might be, how Robbins had caught his own enthusiasm, how he had pushed his fat body about the room crying, "Yes, yes, Fenwick, that's fine, that's fine indeed!" And then how, after all, Foster had got that job. The paper had only lived for a year or so, it is true, but the connection with it had brought Foster into prominence, just as it might have brought Fennec. Then, five years later, there was Fenwick's novel, The Bitter Alu, the novel upon which he had spent three years of blood and tears endeavour, and then, in the very same week of publication, Foster brings out The Circus, the novel that made his name although heaven knows the thing was poor enough sentimental trash. You may say that one novel cannot kill another, but can it not? Had not the circus appeared, would not that group of London know that conceited, limited, ignorant, self-satisfied crowd, who nevertheless can do by their talk so much to affect a book's good or evil fortunes, have talked about the bitter aloo, and so forced it into prominence. As it was, the book was stillborn, and the circus went on its prancing, triumphant way. After that, there had been many occasions, some small, some big, and always, in one way or another, that thin, scraggy body of Foster's was interfering with Fenwick's happiness. The thing had become, of course, an obsession with Fenwick hiding up there in the heart of the lakes, with no friends, almost no company, and very little money. He was given too much to brooding over his failure. He was a failure, and it was not his own fault. How could it be his own fault with his talents and his brilliance? It was the fault of modern life and its lack of culture, the fault of the stupid material mess that made up the intelligence of human beings. And the fault of Foster. Always Fenwick hoped that Foster would keep away from him. He did not know what he would not do, did he see the man. And then, one day, to his amazement, he received a telegram. Passing through this way, May I stop with you Monday and Tuesday, Giles Foster. Fenwick could scarcely believe his eyes. And then, from curiosity, from cynical contempt, From some deeper, more mysterious motive that he dared not analyse, he had telegraphed, Come, and here the man was, and he had come, would you believe it, to put things right. He had heard from Hamlin Eddis that Fenwick was hurt with him, had some kind of grievance. I didn't like to feel that, old man, and so I thought I'd just stop by and have it out with you and see what the matter was and put it right. Last night after supper, Foster had tried to put it right. Eagerly, his eyes like a good dog's, who is asking for a bone that he knows he thoroughly deserves, he had held out his hand and asked Fenwick to say what was up. Fenwick simply had said that nothing was up. Hamlin Edis was a damned fool. Oh, I am glad to hear that, Foster had cried, springing up out of his chair and putting his hand on Fenwick's shoulder. I'm glad of that, old man. I couldn't bear for us not to be friends. We've been friends so long. Lord, how Fenwick hated him at that moment. What a jolly lot of books you have. Foster turned round and looked at Fenwick with eager, gratified eyes. Every book here is interesting. I like your arrangement of them, too, and these open bookshelves. It always seems to me ashamed to shut up books behind glass. Foster came forward and sat down quite close to his host. He even reached forward and laid his hand on his host's knee. Look here, I'm mentioning it for the last time positively, but I do want to make quite certain there is nothing wrong between us, is there, old man? I know you assured me last night, but I just want... Fenwick looked at him and surveying him felt suddenly an exquisite pleasure of hatred. He liked the touch of the man's hand on his knee. He himself bent forward a little, and thinking how agreeable it would be to push Foster's eyes in, deep, deep into his head.